Well, we're going to come to our reading now, which um, I'll try and help you find it. It's between Titus and Hebrews, <laughs> the book of Philemon, written by Paul, probably uh, while he was in prison in Rome in about AD 62, at about the same time as he wrote Colossians, apparently. And it's written to a wealthy church leader, uh, Philemon, um, about one of his slaves. Uh, and uh, both Philemon and this slave were, were both Paul's converts. So uh, um, let's read it anyway. It um, starts like this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, brother to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening, deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bolder and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, Welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done anything, any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe, your, owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a rest room for me because I hope to, be, hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's just pray for John as he comes up. Lord, I just pray uh, for John that his words will be your words and uh, that we can listen and hear you speaking to us and uh, you will teach us this morning more about you. In your loving name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you, Bill. As we look at our Bible, 
When we look at the New Testament, we find that there are 27 books. 13 of those books were written by Paul. 12 of those are of various lengths and address a variety of subjects. The 13th, this book of Philemon, is different. It's a very personal letter which Paul wrote by his own hands. Normally, he dictated it and just signed the ends. In his petition to Philemon for restoration of Onesimus back into his household, he uses illustrations of the reconciling work of Jesus to justify his request. So who was Philemon? Bill's given us a little bit of a a background. But verse 1 tells us that Philemon was a dear friend, a fellow worker, probably converted under Paul's ministry. He was a Christian who had some form of leadership role in a house church in Colossae. He was probably married to Aphia, who's mentioned in verse 2. And because any offence that Onesimus had committed affected her as well, she is included in this, as a main recipient of the letter. Paul is also aware that since this small church met in Philemon's house, the other members would also have been adversely affected by Onesimus's action. The return of Onesimus, even as a brother in Christ, could have an effect on the internal, internal unity of the house church. So who was Onesimus? I had a friend once who had a cat called Onesimus. I never remember why. But Onesimus was a slave who, having stole some goods, ran away from Philemon. Depending upon the dating of this particular imprisonment of Paul, he either met Paul in Ephesus or in Rome. As a result of hearing Paul's witness to the work of Jesus, he was a converted. And for a period, he ministered to Paul while he was in prison. So that left now Paul with a dilemma. He was aware that Onesimus was another man's slave. And so he was benefiting from his services at the expense of his rightful owner. He knew that action had to be taken to remedy that situation. In our lives, there are occasions when we face a similar dilemma. We may be mistakenly accredited for something we did not do. And we need to redirect the credit in the appropriate directions. Remember in the past, I was supposedly accredited with giving a sermon that I don't remember whether it was Ernie or um, Rob had given. Um, I suppose 
somebody looking at us who didn't know us saw somebody white-haired with a beard and uh, took it for that. Or we may have gained a financial advantage at the expense of someone else's mistake. A grain, we should take action to remedy the situation. So although Paul would like to keep Onesimus as his servant, he would not do so without the consent of his owner. So he sends him back to Philemon with this letter of commendation. He loves this young man. He does not want him to suffer the usual fate for escaped slaves and thieves. Under Roman law, they could be severely punished or even put to death. And as we see, Paul is asking Philemon to do even more than just accept Omnesmus back into his former position. Paul commences this letter to Philemon in a very warm and encouraging way. He sends grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He assures Philemon of his continuing prayers for him and the encouraging things he had heard about him. He comments on Philemon's activities in witnessing to those in Colossae. He expresses gratitude for all the good deeds already done for him. Here was a Christian man who wanted to live a life that was worthy of that name. He shared his belief with all who came in contact with him. And he had a concern and love for all the saints. A statement which indicates a genuine and universal love for fellow Christians, whatever their circumstances. Paul commends him for this Christ-like compassion and support for fellow believers and anticipates that he will continue to demonstrate this in the days to come. So we come to Paul's appeal. Having established Philemon's Christian credentials, Paul moves on to his appeal for Onesimus. He first of all lays aside a heavy-handed authoritarian approach. He puts aside his apostolic authority by which he could have just ordered Philemon to receive Onesimus back. He knew that that would not achieve the outcome that he really wanted. He wanted to convince Philemon that the Onesimus who was coming back to him was not the Onesimus who ran away. He was a changed character. What is remarkable here is that as a slave, Onesimus was simply someone else's property with no rights and no free choices. However, coming to Christ, Paul regards Onesimus as his very own son. Verse 10 says that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, 
who became my son while I was in chains. This relationship refers to the fairly common use by rabbis of the relationship between teacher and pupil. And we find reference to Paul using it in other places. In 1 Corinthians 4, for example, he says, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Paul is urging Philemon to equally accept Omnesimus on the basis of love for a fellow Christian. To lay aside any prejudice that he may have about what he has done previously. In Romans 15 verse 7, Paul states, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He wants Philemon to apply this scripture to Onesimus, and equally the same scripture applies to us. We have to be careful that we do not allow personal prejudice to affect the way we interact with other Christians. It's very easy, even as believers, to be influenced by our upbringing or our work status and look down upon other Christians. This may be due to their educational level or type of occupation or even, unfortunately, because of their ethnic background. It may not be a, an overt system, but simply a subconscious tendency. But the Bible is clear that this is wrong. And if we find ourselves doing so, we need to repent and seek God's spirit to help us overcome. In verse 11, Philemon says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Paul here is entering into a type of word game using Onesimus' name. The Greek name Onesimus means useful. So Paul in effect is saying useful was useless to you now, but now he has become a Christian he has changed, and now useful has become really useful to both of us. In the next couple of verses, Paul declares his deep affection for Onesimus and all the help he has given him while in prison. Although he knows keeping him would have been wrong, he implies that Philemon would have approved of this slave helping Paul in his current situation. He was sure that had Philemon been able to, he would have gladly gone to Paul's assistance. Paul then tells Philemon that although he considers Onesimus' service to him 
to be vicariously Philemon's. He wanted to do the right thing, both by the law and respect to his relationship with Philemon. But he also implies that this separation from Philemon was part of God's plan. His separation, which resulted in Philemon becoming a Christian under Paul's ministry, would enable them to have a better and more profitable relationship when Onesimus returned. It reminds us of the gracious handling by Joseph of his brothers back in Genesis 50. If you remember the story, they had hated Joseph. They had sold him into slavery in Egypt. But when famine came, they were forced to go down to Egypt to ask for aid from Joseph. They did not recognize him at first, but when he eventually revealed who he was, they were afraid. Joseph, however, saw the bigger picture of God's hand in the situation. And he said to them, don't be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what he has now done, the saving of many lives. Like Joseph, Paul held a steady belief in God's providential overruling of human sin and sorrow. We receive some of that providential care from time to time. But we must be careful that we don't think that that means that we have a right relationship with God in all that we do. Whatever Philemon decides to do about the situation, Omnesimus had to be prepared to accept that this was a long-term relationship. But Paul now comes to the real point of his appeal. It is not simply for Philemon to accept Omnesimus back as a repentant slave, but to accept him back as a brother in Christ. And therefore on a different status than when he left. He may still have to work as a slave, unless Philemon chose to offer him his freedom. But the relationship between them would be different. There is a spiritual relationship between all true believers However distinguished in secular and outward respects, we are all children of the same Heavenly Father. Christianity does not put aside our secular duties, but strengthens the obligations to them. In Paul's main letter to Christians, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, he speaks of the ideal Christian-master relationship. He did not support slavery. In Timothy, he condemned slave traders. He encourages slaves to gain their freedom. We find this in 1 Corinthians 7. 
but he recognises that it is part of the then culture and seeks to influence the Christian masters to treat their slaves well. Sometimes we have the ability to change our circumstances for the better. And that is a good thing to do. Sometimes we cannot change our circumstances. But we can change our attitude. Galatians 5.1 calls us to grasp hold of our liberty in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Our attitude to our circumstances can cause us to feel absolutely trapped. But a grasp of our freedom in Christ can enable us to triumph over our circumstances. This not only applies to our physical circumstances, but also to our spiritual circumstances. Is there a sinful habit that you feel trapped in or a slave to? Paul says in Romans 6, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. For sin will not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. Paul's final words in verse 21 are a repetition of the greeting in verse 3. He has sandwiched his appeal for Onesimus to Philemon between the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the context of all that Paul has been saying. Philemon had already experienced the grace of God by accepting the gospel. He knew all about total forgiveness and the absolute certainty of eternal life. Paul says that the gospel that begins with grace continues to lavish believers with grace. Ephesians 1, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. All this gives Philemon a framework for extending mercy, forgiveness and acceptance to a runaway slave. Onesimus, on becoming a Christian, had repented of his sins and was a changed character and a brother in Christ. So Paul was able to commend him to Philemon as one commentator says of Philemon, it will be a sign of haughty pride if he should be ashamed to count as his brother those whom God numbers among his sons. We live in the same context. The riches of God's grace have been lavished on us 
at the expense of Christ's redeeming blood and continues to be so. In Ephesians 2, Paul tells us that, like Onesimus, in our sin we were far off, with no rights or blessings in God's kingdom. But when we became believers and are now in Christ Jesus, we are brought near by his blood, no longer to be foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Everything we face in life, our response to every situation we are in, ought to reflect the fact that we have received and continue to receive grace from God. That should be our motivation for all we do in service for him. But we can only do this if we have a close walk with God. It takes more than a Sunday morning service and perhaps a weekly home group if we want to experience God's presence in our life to the full. We are created in his image, the image of the threefold unity of the Godhead, created to have a relationship with him. Scripture tells us that it is a relationship that he desires. It is a relationship that he probably desires more than we do. Jeremiah, we read, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. It requires us to have a 24-7 commitment to him, to regularly study of his word and to prayer. Even in our busy lives, each day, we can be finding time to keep that relationship with him going. But Paul was also concerned that Onesimus' return might have an adverse effect on the unity of the house church. We need to have the same concern our actions do not cause difficulties or hurt to other fellow Christians. If we have been hurt, the same principles apply. If they demonstrate true repentance by their actions and deeds, then we need to seek the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with our spirit so that we can respond in Christian love and forgiveness. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the riches of your grace that you have bestowed upon us. Forgive us, Father, when we take these riches too lightly. By your work of the Holy Spirit in us, spur us on to desire a closer relationship with you so that we can meet the desires of your hearts to know the joys of your presence in our lives. Help us in our relationship to follow Paul's words in Philippians, 
to have your mind that considers the interests of others above our own, so we may live in peace and unity as a family of believers in this place. We ask it in your precious name. Amen.